is that which God does for us that we do not deserve. Mercy is different. Uh, mercy is withholding of wrath. Grace is whenever God pours out his blessings. Uh, I think that song fits perfectly with this new series that, uh, that I'm going to begin today. Uh, ways that God pours out his grace upon us. He, he gives us things. He does things for us, things that are miraculous. And we're going to look at that uh, in this 14-week journey today as we are going to move kind of slowly through the Gospel of Luke only going to look at the healings, the miraculous healings that Jesus performed in the Gospel of Luke. Uh, of Luke. Now, if you're, if you're interested in the remainder of the Gospel of Luke, I'm going to be doing that on Wednesday nights. Uh, but today we're going to be in this new series entitled Preach and Heal. Uh, before I go any further, I just want to say thank you to Jesse Haywood for filling in for me uh, yes, uh, yesterday. Sorry, y'all. I've been in South Asia. My brain is foggy, so if I preach heresy today, we're just going to blame it on that. But uh, I really appreciate Jesse filling in for me uh, last week. He did a great job, and I hear uh, good things. So uh, maybe we'll put him in the rotation more often. Would y'all like that? Amen? Well, Jesse, yeah, all right. Uh, he just signed himself up. Um, so, uh, preach and heal. One-fifth of Jesus's, uh, of Jesus's ministry is devoted to, the information that we have about it, is, uh, is, is devoted to, um, uh, uh, to, to Jesus's healing ministry. And uh, so we're going to look at all these, and this is new waters for me. Everybody kind of has their hobby horse, you know, things that they kind of like to talk about. And uh, preachers are no different. We have certain topics that we enjoy, certain places in Scripture that, that we like to preach from. For me, uh, the Gospels, uh, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, uh, and especially the Epistles, I tend to preach a lot from those, and not so much from the Old Testament, but even in the New Testament, there's things that I've, I just never have talked about or preached about a lot, and Jesus' healing ministry is one of those. I dare say that uh, in the seven years that I've been here, I haven't really preached, you haven't really heard me preach a lot about Jesus' healings. And so this kind of puts me into new waters. It's kind of a faith venture for me as we look at this together and see what God has to teach us. Uh, so the healing miracles in Luke, there's 14 of them, 14 of them that we have specific information about. Uh, we have two resurrections, three people cured of demon possession, two people cured of some type of sickness, not really stated exactly what that sickness was. There are two instances of lepers being cleansed. Now, there were more lepers than that that were cleansed in Jesus' ministry, but two instances in which this happened. One blind man received his sight, four physical deformities, and really there's a lot of other instances where Jesus did healing ministry, and we don't have any specifics about it. It's kind of it's kind of mentioned, but we don't. And one of those is going to be in the passage we're going to see today. It's just going to say that many people came and were healed by Jesus. Now, one of the reasons that I have chosen Luke to go through these healings is because Luke is what did Luke do? He was a physician. He was a doctor. The interesting thing about that is he offers no naturalistic explanations for these healings that Jesus 
performs. He doesn't utilize what you and I would refer to as medical science to describe how these things occurred. He presents them as factually how they happened. They were supernatural works of God. They were divine acts in which Jesus healed in a supernatural way. And so today we're going to read an introductory, uh, an introductory scripture, Luke chapter 6. You can open your Bibles there. An introductory passage that's not about any one particular healing, but rather is a descriptor about Jesus' ministry as a whole. And this, of course, is where I get the title of this entire series. We're going to see some general statements in this passage that talk about Jesus' ministry and how it involved miraculous healing. So stand with me as we read these verses in Luke chapter 6, verses 17 through verses 19. Here's what it says, and this is, this is, this is Luke's introduction to Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. Verse 17 says, And he came down with them, meaning his apostles, and stood on a level place with a great crowd of his disciples and a great multitude of people from all Judea and Jerusalem and the seacoast of Tyre and Sidon, who came to hear him and to be healed of their diseases. Now, now, now catch that. They came to hear him and to be healed of their diseases. And those who were troubled with unclean spirits were cured. And all the crowd sought to touch him, for power came out from him, and he healed them all. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. And God, we do, we do come to you today hungry and broken and desperate, just like the song that we just sang. And God, what we need today is we need your grace. We need grace upon grace to wash over us. Father, you know very well the needs that exist in this room. God, you know that there is brokenness among us. Some of us have sicknesses and ailments on the outside related to our bodies. But God, some of us are much sicker than that. Some of us today, Lord, we're diseased with sin. And God, we need healing deep in our souls. Others of us, Lord, we're just struggling with daily problems of life, money and marriage and kids and emotional problems and just various things. Lord, you see them all. And God, we stand before you collectively. Lord, in faith, knowing that you are the answer to all of our problems. And God, we come to you in faith and we offer this prayer to you in faith. And we invoke the name of Jesus, asking you to be in our midst. And we offer this prayer in his name. Amen. Thank you. You can be seated. So like I said, this was Luke's introduction to the Sermon on the Mount, a summary of Jesus' ministry. And when you think about what Jesus did, you think about who, who was around Jesus, Jesus basically preached and he healed. But the scripture tells us in Luke chapter 6, verse 17, there were a lot of people that kind of followed him. Now, by the way, this term here, them, is speaking of the apostles. If we were to back up to Luke chapter 6, starting in verse 12, we would see that Jesus had previously spent all night praying. If Jesus needs to spend a long time in prayer, then certainly we do as well. But he came down after a night of prayer, and he chose 12 apostles. And that's what's meant by them. He came down with them, these 12 apostles. But there was more than just those 12 that were with him. The Bible says that he stood on a 
level place. Matthew says that he sat down on the mountainside. Uh, but here it says that there was a great crowd of his disciples that came with him. Disciples not meaning the 12 apostles, but meaning just a great group of followers that gathered around him. And in addition to that, there was just a great multitude of people, just all kinds of people that were following him. Scripture tells us some of them came from uh, Jerusalem, from all over Judea, names a couple of other cities. These weren't, these weren't necessarily people who were followers of Jesus. These were, certainly weren't his, uh, his apostles. They weren't necessarily devoted to him. They were just probably there for the show. They were just curious. They were just kind of checking it out. They were just kind of there to see maybe what he was going to say or what he was going to do. They had heard all of the things that Jesus had been teaching and all of the things that he had been doing, and they were just kind of showing up to see what happened. But I have to believe in my heart that they came hungry. They came seeking something. Uh, they just maybe weren't yet followers yet. And why were they there? Why were all of these people gathered around Jesus, these apostles, all these disciples, and this great multitude. Why were they there? Really and truly, they were simply there to hear him and to be healed. This was the main thing that Jesus did in his three-year ministry. If you look in the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, you will basically, you, you won't see a lot of sophisticated church programming. You won't have a lot of complicated processes uh, like we have today in churches. Basically, all that Jesus did is he preached and he healed. He delivered truth to people. He taught people. And then he did amazing, miraculous things in their life. I believe this is a pattern that you've probably seen in your own walk. You have heard Jesus speak truth to you. You've read his word. You've heard the gospel and responded. And as a result, I hope that God has done amazing things in your life. Now, maybe you might not have been miraculously healed of a broken leg, or maybe God didn't uh, heal you of terminal cancer whenever the doctor said that you were a goner. But I hope that Jesus has healed you in some type of way, even if it's in a spiritual way. But I ask you today, what is the biggest need that you have? The biggest need that you have in your life. In Jesus' ministry, he was an expert at speaking directly to people's needs. Maybe you would say, I have a physical ailment or something that's going on in my life that's physical, and I have just been desperately crying out to God for help. Or perhaps, like I said uh, before, it's something deeper than that, something deep in your soul. Maybe it's an emotional problem. Maybe it's a, a relational issue. Maybe it's a, a fractured relationship between you and someone. And you desperately need God to bring his healing touch into your life. I want you to think in your mind right now the biggest need that you have. And I want you to begin now on this 14-day journey. I want you to begin now to pray for that need. I want you to ask God to stand before him in faith and say, Lord, I need you to show up in a big way in my life and bring your continued healing over me. Because this is, this is what Jesus did. He preached to people and he healed people. Jesus preached we know, that, uh, we know that Jesus preached. He preached a lot. Uh, Luke chapter 6, verse 18 says that they came, they came to hear him. He preached in synagogues. He preached on mountains. He preached from boats. 
He preached in fields. He preached in small groups. He preached in large groups. He preached or he taught people one-on-one. He used parables. He used hyperbole or exaggeration. He used symbols. Some of the most famous words that have ever been spoken were uttered by Jesus. And certainly the most important words that human beings could have ever heard have come from him. His teaching was powerful. It was authoritative. It completely mesmerized people. They neglected food and water and work just so that they could come and hear him. But he did more than just preach. He healed people. He healed people physically. The Bible says that he healed them of their diseases. This is talking about the physical things. This is not talking about the inner things that we're going to talk about in a minute. These were the external things that people commonly struggle with, that all of us struggle with in this life. Um, His preaching ministry was supernaturally accompanied by signs and wonders. Jesus's ministry had He had such an amazing preaching ministry, I think we could legitimately say that he was the best preacher that ever lived, but he also had an incredible healing ministry. And I think that I could also say with confidence that he had the best, most amazing, most incredible healing ministry that the world has ever seen. He didn't just preach to people. He got in and amongst people. He got his hands dirty. He interacted with people and their problems. That's great news, isn't it? It's good to know that I don't just have a Jesus that's just going to talk to me and is just going to give me his truth that I have and his commands that I have to go and obey. But do we have a Savior that is going to get in the midst of my problems, my everyday situations of life, things that I struggle with, things that are on my mind, things that afflict me, that Jesus is going to get involved with those things and he's going to be there to help me and maybe, just maybe, he might heal me of those things. We see so many examples of this in Scripture, of Jesus getting his hands dirty with people's problems. He touched lepers something that probably you and I might not do. He rubbed spit on a blind man's eyes and made him see. He called prostitutes daughters. He coddled street kids. He spoke to a demon who tormented a naked man and cast him out. He cared for and ministered to people that nobody cared for and that nobody wanted to have anything to do with. And he healed them divinely and miraculously. There is no naturalistic explanation for all of the miracles that Jesus performed. There's no explanation other than the fact that something unnatural, something supernatural, someone spiritual did something in the lives of all of these people that nobody else could have done, that nobody was capable of doing except the Son of God. He gave people freedom from illness and injury. He made people whole. He cured them of all sorts of diseases. Now, why did he do that? Why didn't he just preach? Why didn't he just preach and that, that would just be it? Why didn't he just give us his teaching? 
I think this is a sidebar that we need to look at and talk about. One that I'm going to remind you of all throughout this series of why Jesus performed miracles. Why did, did Jesus heal? I think one of the most basic reasons that we cannot overlook is that Jesus healed people. Jesus performed miracles just because he loved people. He loves people. He loves us. And he hates what sin has done to us. He hates all of the sickness, all of the pain, all of the death, all of the torment that you and I go through. He hates it. And that's why he heals. Another reason that Jesus performed miracles is that it validated his ministry and his status as Savior and Lord and Messiah. Now, I don't have this scripture for the screen, but in Luke chapter 7, if we were to turn there, you would see a story of John the Baptist in prison sending a delegation of people to Jesus. And he, he told this delegation, he said, ask Jesus, are you the one that we've been waiting for or should we wait for someone else? Are, 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 are you the Messiah? And what Jesus didn't do is he didn't say, hey, go back and tell John how good of a preacher I am. He didn't say, hey, go back and tell John about these beatitudes that you heard and how awesome they were. He didn't say, hey, go back and tell John these parables that I've told, parables that will be told for thousands of years after me. He told John, he said, go back, and, go back to John in prison. Go back and tell him what you see. You see people healed. You see blind people with their eyes open. You see lame people walk. Go back and tell John what you see. Because you see, the miracles, the signs and wonders, they, 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 they uh, validated Jesus' ministry. No one could do what Jesus had done. You, you just walk on down here to the local graveyard and see if you can raise the dead. You can't do it. Go down here to Cookville Regional and just go room to room and just kind of snap your fingers and heal people. You can't do it. No one on earth can do that. No one. Jesus is the only one. Our God is the only one capable of doing those things. He can do it through us. He can do it without us. But these things, val these things validated his ministry. And then thirdly, they were signs that pointed to something that was, that, that was arriving or something that was, a, that was coming. Just like whenever you drive down the road and you see a sign that says exit number coming up or you see a sign that says, hey, there's a food stop up ahead or there's gas up ahead. That's what, that's what Jesus' healing and miraculous ministry did. These signs and wonders, they pointed to this plan of redemption and to the coming kingdom that Jesus was, was ushering in, that he was going to reverse the negative results of sin. He was going to permanently take away the, the, the malady of sickness and death. Maybe not immediate for all of us, but ultimately for everyone who knows Jesus. And then fourthly, to the point of this series, Jesus performed miracles because they were vehicles of teaching. Now this is kind of where we're going to land over the next 14 weeks. We're going to look at Jesus' miracles, his healing miracles, and we're going we're to learn something awesome. Now in your life groups, this, this is the thing 
This is the thing that I love about the miracles of Jesus. There's so many different things that you can learn. In your life groups, because I've looked at your life group lessons, your life group lessons are going to maybe teach something that might be a little bit different than what I teach. Because there's so many different ways to be encouraged by the same Miracle. I don't, I don't mean that uh, a scripture can have two meanings, but they certainly can have multiple applications. And so these vehicles of teaching, when Jesus did miracles, we can always learn something about God's character, about how he operates, about what he requires of us, and about what God values. Every miracle that Jesus performs can be edifying to us all. Jesus' miracles of healings, though, were not just physical, they were also spiritual. They were also spiritual in nature. We see this in Luke chapter 6, verse 18. It wasn't just their physical needs. The Bible says that people were, who were troubled with unclean spirits were cured. You see, there's a, there's a spiritual healing that we need. Not, not everyone has a physical ailment. Some of you, if you went to the doctor right now, you would have a clean bill of health. If you went to the doctor right now, man, your heart's it's beating the right number of beats per minute, and your cholesterol is just like it needs to be, and all those numbers are just perfect. You feel good. You can run a mile in six minutes. and Man, if you can run a mile in six minutes, you are in good shape. <laughs> That's about all the tests we need, right? Um, but you're, you're doing great physically. But maybe there's something else going on in your life. Maybe, maybe, there's, maybe, there's, maybe it's your soul that needs healing. Maybe you have a broken heart over something that's taken place. Maybe there's a scar on your heart that no medicine can fix. Maybe your conscience is seared towards some particular sin that you've been engaging in. And you say, you know what, I, just, I, I need a renewal of my mind. Maybe you have an emotional scar that you just need God to help you with. Maybe there's a relational hurt that exists in your life. Perhaps there's a division between you and someone, and there needs to be reconciliation and forgiveness. There needs to be healing in a relationship. Or maybe you just have a sinful habit, something that has just, just overcome you time and time again, and you need God to show up and do something that in your life that you just fail over and over and over again. You keep failing in this sin, and you can't do it anymore, and you just say, God, I need you to heal me. Here's, here's another way of putting it. We all have hurts and habits and hang-ups that require Jesus's healing touch. I didn't come up with that phrase, though, hurt, hurts, habits, and hang-ups. I stole it from someone else, but it's a good phrase, isn't it? We all have these. We all have hurts. We all have habits. We all have hang-ups. We all have sin. We all have something in our soul, in our heart, that we desperately need Jesus to fix. And if Jesus can defy the laws of nature and miraculously and divinely heal people on the outside, Certainly, he can do a work in us on the inside. And I would even say that that's even more of a miracle. That Jesus could do a work inside of the, the intangible parts of us, deep in our heart, in our soul, that Jesus could change us on that level. I would say that's a miracle on, at least on par with anything that he could do in us physically. And he is the one with the power to do it. Luke chapter 6, verse 19 says, all the people, they just, they just wanted to touch him. 
They just wanted to touch him because power came out from him and healed them all. I'll be honest with you, I don't believe in divine healers. I don't believe that there are special people out there that have a special spiritual gift that can just walk around and just heal people at will. I believe Jesus can heal anybody he wants, whenever he wants, however he wants, and through whatever means he chooses. And if he chooses to do that through a person, that's fine. But Jesus gets all the credit. God is the great, great physician. I do believe that he is capable of doing anything that he wants to do, whenever he wants to do it, in whatever context, with whomever he wants. There is a sovereignty that we have to acknowledge when it comes to God's healing. Because some, God may work through somebody and heal people through somebody, but may not heal that person. You know who I'm thinking about right now? I'm thinking about the Apostle Paul. Do you know that God worked some signs and wonders through the Apostle Paul? Paul even raised someone from the dead. You remember that guy that slept in church and fell from the balcony and died? It's a lesson to you, by the way. Be careful about sleeping in church. Of course, he spoke all night. Um, but he, healed, he, he raised that young boy from the dead. You can read about it in the book of Acts. He did all kinds of stuff. But he also had a thorn in his flesh. We, we don't know what that thorn was. We don't, scholars, some scholars believe it was an eye affliction. Some people say there was something wrong with his hands. That's why he couldn't write. But we do know that whatever it was, he, Paul himself said it was a trial to the people. So it could have been something that affected his appearance. And he says that he begged God, begged God to heal him, begged God to take it away from him, begged God to remove that thorn in his flesh. God said no. Sometimes God says no. We don't know why. In the case of the Apostle Paul, God did give him a reason. God did, God did say why didn't. He said, my grace is sufficient for you. And sometimes God shows us his grace by healing us. And sometimes God shows us his grace by allowing us to suffer. You see, every religion of the world... Most all of them, they have some ritualistic formula or some chant by which they try to manipulate their God with a little g, their deity, to force that God to do something that they want done. The way Jesus heals is radically different. Sometimes whenever we search the scriptures, we see Jesus just, it's, it's almost like this indiscriminate healing. At other times, it's specifically targeted only to certain individuals. And sometimes healing wasn't made to anyone. The Bible says when he was in Galilee that he just, he just didn't, didn't really do much there. There are also times that people would ask for healing. They would cry out for it. They would scream out to Jesus and say, Son of God, have mercy on me. And Jesus would call them up and heal them. There were other times that, that Jesus would pick somebody out of the crowd and say, Hey, come here. Like in the synagogue, a man with a withered hand, he just called him up and he said, Stretch out your hand. And he healed him. We don't have any record of this man asking Jesus. Jesus just did it without, the, without request. We even have this one instance where this lady snuck up behind him just to touch the hem of his garment, and she was healed. Certainly there were others that touched the hem of his garment and were never healed. There's, there's, no, there's no formula. We can't manipulate God. We can't force him to heal. 
God heals, but he does it according to his sovereign will. And in a way, we're to be involved in this ministry of preaching and healing. Isn't that what you do when you share the gospel? When you go to someone and you, you share with them the good news about Jesus, in a sense, you're, you're preaching to them. You may not be standing behind a pulpit. You may not be an ordained elder or pastor in a church. You might not be functioning in that way, but you're still preaching. Everyone's to preach when you look at it that way. Everyone is to verbally share the gospel, to teach and to dispel truth to others. But aren't you also to, to be involved in helping people find healing? Isn't that one of the commands that Jesus has given to us? And when you utilize, don't you when, you, when you speak the gospel, isn't that part of what happens? That people find healing and people find wholeness as you share the gospel? They don't just learn about God. When we share the gospel, we want people to experience something with God. We want them to enter into fellowship with God. And when they do that, there is healing for the soul. And so we take part in that. And people need miracles. People need them. Why don't we see these types of things that we see in Jesus' ministry? Someone might ask, why don't we see these things today? I believe we do. I believe perhaps we're just a little bit too preoccupied. Or maybe we're not even looking for it. Or maybe we've just become so comfortable and so complacent in our routines that we don't want God to interrupt us. We don't want God to break in and do something among us because it might disrupt our routine. I'm thinking in my mind right now the revival that took place at, at Asbury in uh, Kentucky, I believe it was. They were just having a normal chapel. I listened to the sermon from the chapel speaker, and it was nothing flashy. It was nothing special. He even himself said he bombed the sermon, and revival, revival broke out. And it disrupted the whole campus. It disrupted everything around them. And I got, I got to thinking in my mind, what if, what if that happened at Stephen Street? I wonder how many people would say, hmm, it's 1130. I just don't have time for this today. I wonder if I would feel that way. I wonder if I would say, you know, I'm hungry. Maybe I'll come back tonight and we can continue this. I wonder, I wonder how much we would just, if, if God really showed up and really did something miraculous and really just showed up and showed out, if we would say, I'm hitting pause. No more work, no more food, no more anything. I want to be in the presence of God. So there's something about faith. There's, we see this in the healings of Jesus, and I, I, I don't know how to unlock the whole key here, but there, there's something about faith and miraculous divine activity that go together. This, this, this is true whenever you got saved. You got saved. God did a miracle of salvation in your life. Why did he do that? Because you repented of your sin and you turned to him in faith. And something amazing happened in your life. Does that pattern really change? Isn't that kind of how it works? We turn to God in desperation and faith and saying, God, I need nothing but you. And then God shows up and he does amazing, miraculous things in us. I, I do think that we see these things today. I just think sometimes even whenever we do see them, we dismiss them. I'm thinking of a time several years ago, maybe 10 years ago, uh, we were... Um, 
we were in India, and we were adopting my uh, daughter, who's now 13. And she was having a heart surgery. And we were in Ahmedabad, India, and we were standing in the hospital. And I'm not even sure how I found my way into the ER, but, um, but I, I, was, uh, I was waiting somewhere. I don't even remember how I got into this situation. And I got to talking to this, to this gentleman. Uh, he, was in, uh, he was from India. And um, his baby, his newborn baby, was in what you and I would call the NICU. And the doctors had given really bad news, said that his baby was not going to make it. And this, this particular Indian man, he spoke very good English, very good English. And we sat there and had a conversation. And I shared with him about Jesus. And he was very concerned for his daughter, whom the doctor said was going to die. And I said, I tell you what, I said, I'm going to pray for your daughter. I'm going to pray for God to heal your daughter. And when he does... I want you to give Jesus the glory for it. I prayed for, I prayed for his daughter, and um, I'm not saying it was because of my prayer, but his daughter made it. I give Jesus the glory for that. But this particular person is not a believer, still not a believer. And so don't, 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 don't mistake that just because a miracle happens, that somehow, that, that somehow that's going to change things. Because I, I think we see them all the time. We just dismiss them or we just kind of turn away from them. I give Jesus the credit for saving that baby's life. I, I see that baby on Facebook, but I've never met that child. But every time I see a Facebook post by this particular person, I'm like, Jesus healed that baby. Not because of my prayer, but, but healed, healed that child. And I believe that. Some of you, you've seen things like this. So easy to dismiss. So easy to find a naturalistic explanation. So easy for someone who is a non-believer to not even see the work of Christ in that. There's something about our faith that is necessary in these particular things, in these particular situations. And the greatest thing that we can do is ask Jesus to heal us from the disease of sin that we have going, that all of us have going on inside of us. Ask you a few, ask you a little while ago. What is your greatest need? What is your greatest need? Maybe it's physical. Maybe it's something spiritual. Maybe it's a sinful habit. Perhaps it's a broken relationship. God can work miracles. There are people sitting in this church right now. There's, there are several couples sitting in this church right now that I, I remember there was a point in time when I would say, they are not going to make it. But Jesus did a miracle. And they restored their marriage. There were other people when I, that I just thought, I just thought, man, there's no reason why they can't work it out. And they end up getting a divorce. There's something about God's divine activity and our faith that just go together. They just go together. When you see God at work, when you see God do something amazing and miraculous, God gets the credit. But there's something about faith. There's something about believing in him and calling upon his name. And this disease of sin that we struggle with, we've got to ask God to help us with it. What's your hang-up? What's, what's, what's your habit? What, what is it that, that you would say, God, I just need you to do something in me? Maybe it, maybe it is physical. Say, Lord, I, ha I have this issue in my life that I just desperately need you. I want to give us a chance just to call on Jesus right now. The Bible says that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. The Bible never says that everyone who has a broken leg, just call on the name of the Lord and he'll fix it. 
The Bible never says that everyone that has cancer, call on the name of the Lord and you'll be healed. But the Bible says that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Jesus said, Jesus said, if you uh, uh, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to anyone who asks? Would you ask for the Holy Spirit to be present with you and in your life? Would you ask him? And it may be, Lord, I have this sickness, I have this injury, help me. Help, will your Holy Spirit be present with me? It might be, Lord, I have a bad marriage, and would your Holy Spirit help me and heal me and my spouse? It might be another broken relationship. It might involve some of your children. It can involve so many different things, something at work, something financial, any type of problems. Maybe it's a, it's a struggle with sin that you have. And you've tried so hard to confront it, but you're just ready to give up and say, I need the Holy Spirit to do the work. Would you call on the Holy Spirit? Ask the Holy Spirit to help you and to be with you and do something miraculous. Let's bow our heads and let's close our eyes. If you want to come to the altar and pray at this time, and, and while Andy sings, please feel free to do that. You can come to the altar. You can pray right where you are. If you want to kneel in the aisle, if you want to stand up and raise your hands to the Lord, however you want to pray to God right now, would you just do it? Would you just call upon his name? Just ask him for his Holy Spirit. He's promised to give it to you.